Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG! We are an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition livestreamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-orientalist world. I am your Game Master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they-she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they-them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakoko artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. As a heads up, this podcast is stitched together from the video of our Twitch streams. I promise the audio quality improves as we upgrade our gear, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this campaign. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, gore, death of a loved one, burns and burn wounds, blood and bloodletting, militancy, body modifications, cult and cult-like behaviors, classism and poverty, a refugee crisis, mentions of social unrest and madness. Arc 1, Episode 15. To storm what thunders without. From Stand Naked... In a Black Odyssey by Seth. Blessed be the dull, for they have no mind to doubt. Blessed be the cruel, for they have no heart to vow. Blessed be the weak, for they have no teeth to gouge. Blessed be the empty, for we have no soul to shroud. It's Swan 35, the last week of the second month of the year, when the four of you arrive at Dr. Aluso's homestead on the edge of the vast Euclid chasm, deflated wisps of snowy white clouds trailing through a late spring sky. The deep winter chill has long since peeled away from the atmosphere, leaving a cold, pollinated slick behind. Now, it's starting to get warm. Dr. Aluso's homestead is exactly as you left it three and a half weeks ago. A humble cottage made of stone and brick with a small pen for chickens attached to its western side. Behind it, the Euclid chasm yawns like a scar in the body of the world, the other side, a bare pinprick of Kyrian grasslands on the sunless horizon. Insects, little flies and gnats roused by the promise of summer, buzz around the ragged ferns and flowers growing their stubborn way out of the cracked red earth of the Badlands. The inside of Dr. Aluso's cottage is as homey and organized as ever. Their various trophies, treasures, accolades, and thank-you gifts are pushed up against the walls to make room for a low tea table, a small sofa, a couch, and an armchair. Dr. Aluso leans back in this armchair, sipping a cup of tea. 
They look exactly as you remember, a human person of average height, with brown skin, a dirty doctor's coat, and short blonde hair shaved on the sides. Their face is beautiful and handsome, unscarred, despite their background as a prolific adventurer, inventor, monster wrangler, and all-around Renaissance woman. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V, the four of you sit around this tea table facing Dr. Aluso. The caravan, chartered by the Senate as thanks for your work rescuing the missing miners of Dabathati, managed to get your party to Dr. Aluso's in record time. Instead of the grueling two weeks on foot, this caravan ride only took four days. And now as the four of you look at Dr. Aluso, they say, So, what happened? It's a, it's a long story. We quelled the riots, and as you know from our frequent check-ins, was caused by a rage, something in the mountain. We went in and found Vanash. And you may be interested to know that we, Manai glances at Oka, brought them back here. Oka isn't saying anything or even looking up. I think they're like fuddling kind of with their po- like with one of their pockets. They take out a rolled cigarette, and their fingers are shaking as they try to light it. Dr. Luso sort of nods slowly, looks between you, Manaya, and you, Oka, and Dewey, and V. I think all of your faces look a little hollow. <laughs> you all kind of look a little traumatized, maybe. I think, like, yeah, how are the four of you doing? It's been, like, I think the days following what happened in that fateful cavern have sort of blurred together, you know, and, and passed. Maybe only a few instances stand out to the four of you. So as Dr. Luso is sitting there, like, nodding, has been listening to your tale, says, wow, well, clearly seems like the four of you have been through a lot and definitely deserve something of a break. I have to say, I received a missive ahead of your arrival uh, from, the, from some of my contacts uh, in the Republic, and... They told me of what the four of you had accomplished. I have to say, you've exceeded all of my expectations. I know what happened to the four of you was grueling, but you should be proud. You've helped a lot of people. V shifts in her seat that she's wearing. She's got some greenish robes on that she didn't have before, and she clears her throat and... Gives a few more seconds of silence before saying, I think your suspicions about the chrysalis were probably correct. I see. And Dewey, did anything happen to you as well? You've been rather quiet this entire time. Yeah, I talked to some people. Also, I may have more children than I thought. Ah, uh, what? But that's a personal thing. <laughs> uh, don't, don't worry about it. Um, huh. Well, you didn't strike me as a particularly prolific uh, par- partner. Let's not. Let's, mm, uh, mm. let's not go there. Yes, of course, Cardu. My apologies. <clears throat> uh, Doctor so sort of shifts, shift their gl- shifts their glasses uh, and says, "So, let me get this straight. After tackling your friend, your mentor, uh, Oka Ravi, talking some sense into her, Vinash, you believe Vinash came out of her, and you absorbed." This aspect of Yudabathi? How is this even possible? I thought the gods 
lived in the beyond. Why would they be in the now? I don't know. I don't know. Same reason that they're no longer in the sky. So what happened after that? And sort of on Dr. Oluso's question, we now flash back to immediately where we left off in episode 14. At the bottom of this gigantic cavern, which we now realize is a tomb for the long-extinct giants. In this world, giants have been extinct for thousands and thousands of years, for millennia. Um, Just like dragons, they're seen as like the dinosaurs of Antake. So now the four of you uh, are at the bottom of a huge cylindrical cavern. All around you, crystalline walls made of gems and jewels and and, and ores and and precious artifacts all the way up uh, to a ceiling. And encased in these walls are the uh, unmoving bodies of four or five giants, at least 15, 20, even 25 feet tall, encased in in these walls, their arms sort of crossed over their, their chests, their eyes closed, dressed in royal robes, ancient royal robes. Some of them even have like, are, have been buried, quote unquote, buried, entombed, let's say, with huge swords, huge axes. Some of them have even been buried with giant dire dogs and dire wolves, their favorite pets next to them. And at the bottom of this burial chamber, this burial tomb for these giants, a huge, vast mound of golden, glowing treasure, jewels the size of your heads and your torsos, a big, fat gold gems, also the size of pumpkins, all around you, huge, like, crowns and and rings and bracelets and necklaces. But amazingly enough, this isn't what catches the eye of the four of you. We zoom in now to Dewey. Uh, our Aarakocra artificer, your blue feathers ruffled and, and singed from being zapped uh, by all this lightning that was sparking out of his chamber just a few minutes ago. Uh, you're crouching over Manaya's limp body, our half-orc fighter. Uh, her trench coat just sizzled and charred, and, and Manaya's just lying there, barely stirring. Dewey, you saw her die. When you floated down there, you saw she was dead. You had no doubt about it. You didn't even have to make a check to realize she was dead. But now you see her skin is glowing green and orange. It seems like life has been forced back into her lungs. And standing next to Manaya is Oka, uh, our Osimar blood hunter. Your gray skin sort of singed red as you finish absorbing Vinash, which is one head of the three-headed god Unabathi, uh, the god of mountains and war here in Andake, uh, who apparently was inside Ravi, who's this hobgoblin woman, your mentor, your blood-hunting mentor. She's now collapsed onto the ground, her red skin singed and charred. She's completely unconscious. And the last of Vinash, sort of like that scene in The Legend of Korra, like when Unalak and Korra are battling uh, for the souls of of, of the avatar has gone into your body and you reel backward as you hear and feel Vinash, this head of destruction, swirling within your chest. And overlooking it all, standing at the lip of one of the dozens of tunnels leading into this cavern on various levels, V, you look down at this and you see what's going on with your friends. What did the four, what did the four of you do in that moment? Oka shout, shouted Avi's name laps down on the ground next to her checking for a pulse okay make a medicine check while oka shouts robbie's name and runs over to their mentor what are the rest of you doing um i Um, think dewey scrambles back a little bit because he's just seen two people have 
divine power come out of them, go into them. But after seeing Manaya take another breath, and Oka's like, still Oka, um, he goes and checks on Manaya to make sure, God, she's got to have a bunch of broken bones. Okay. After sort of reeling backward a little, like, taken aback by, literally, this is so overwhelming, right? This is such an incredibly ridiculous thing that's just happened. So you're like, I need to take a minute. And then you rush forward to Manaya as Manaya, your eyelids begin to flutter, and that voice from earlier begins to fade away but leaves like a sweet scent behind you know like some people smell so sweet that when they leave a room they sort of leave traces of themselves behind it's like that smells like springtime mixed in with a little bit of autumn swirling sort of in your nose and and the voice leaves you with oh manaya manaya i'm so so sorry but this is what she wanted just i'm tired now i i'll be seeing you later uh, and the voice recedes into the recesses of your soul as your eyes open. What do you do? Manaya's eyes shoot open and she sits up and goes, No! Sorry. And uh, she looks around, taking in the scene, and looks at Dewey, uh, kneeling right next to her, and says, Thank you for being here. What... What happened? You tell me. I thought you were... No, you you were definitely dead. I thought I was too. What? I won't believe in you without saying goodbye. Promise you that. Uh, I got a nine on my medicine check. Okay. Uh, you go over to Ravi. You like, what are you doing to check her? I'm trying to find a pull up pulse point that is not burned yeah you know? that makes sense you check around her neck her wrist you know maybe even her thigh uh, and you find a pulse it's weak but it's still there you sort of check under her nose and she's breathing but it's really weak it's like very very unstable she seems to be extremely extremely weakened here like if anything else happens she literally might die oh boy okay uh, okay mama fish mama fish v You've been looking down at the scene as you see, like, Manaya begin to rise. You see Oka rush over to Ravi and sort of slump in relief. What do you do? First off, I'm going to cast Mage Hand to go down scoop me some of this gold. Jesus Christ. Okay, the range <laughs> on that is 30, so you can pick up, what, 10 pounds worth of gold? Yeah. Okay, you pick up what's, like, 10 gold worth of gold. Like, a, a ghostly hand appears from your singed, scorched hand, and it dr 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 drifts all the way down, and Dewey used to get big old fat coin being scooped up. It's like a 10-pound weight, and it dr 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 ascends into the air and returns to me. You're such a dirty look. <laughs> Once I've pocketed that into my little gold pouch, I will... I have rope, so I'm going to try to, I'll throw some of it down and then try to find some way of, of tying it down somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, let's say there's like an outcropping of like a rock that you managed to secure one end of the rope to. Just make a athletics check for me with advantage as you rappel your way down the side of this chamber. Okay, so it's going to be an 11. Okay, it takes you a while, uh, and you're like going down slowly, but like after a long time, you manage to uh, situate your feet on the gold with a light clink against your boots. And then I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go over to Oka and just, and say, are you feeling all right? How do you feel? Surprisingly fine. Focused. Uh, we should get out of here. We should get out of here right now. We should leave Dabathati. We should go now. Let's go now. Let's go right now. I agree. 
Dewey, can you get Avi into a carryable state? Yeah, c- can you walk? You got Oka fell on you? I'll be alright. Okay. <laughs> uh, Manaya's gonna stand and maybe stumble a little bit, but manage to get herself up. Okay. Uh, Manaya, you, you pull yourself up into like a hobbled kind of stand situation, and the, the glowing orange and green has sort of died down a bit, but there's still a little tinge of it in your skin that wasn't there before. So if people like look at Manaya and like the right light hits her, she seems to be glowing slightly green and orange. Uh, Dewey, you go over to Ravi. Make a medicine check for me. Seven. Seven? Okay, that's not going to be quite sufficient in- enough to stabilize her. So you go over to Ravi. How are you trying to patch her up? She's been burned, right? Yes. I'm just going to, like, wrap any cloth I have around, like, any open wounds so that when we're handling her, we don't, like, get our grubby little hands. Yeah, sounds good. So you, you get some, like, you tear off some extra cloth scraps that you have with you and you try to wrap it around her, but she still is, like, shaking a little while she's unconscious, and, and the wrapping seems to be a little not quite enough to stabilize her. Oka? DM. Yeah. Could I try something? Yeah, sure. Uh, would like to try to use their Curse of the Fallen Puppet to move Ravi's body. Jesus. Okay. How does that work? Uh-huh. It's a blood curse, so I would take damage. And technically what it says is when a creature within 30 feet drops to zero HP, use a reaction to make a single weapon attack against a target of choice within attack range. Um, I don't know if it would technically work, but I would like to try. uh, Let's say it's kind of like bloodbending and you're just using this thing that you know how to do to just make Ravi's body move without... Without having to carry her, I guess. This is how you're causing her to move. What does it look like when you cause Ravi's body to stand? Uh, I'm sure Oka has, like, they're totally fucked up. So they're just going to, like, squeeze their nail beds into their palm when they start bleeding. They're going to put their hands against Ravi's body. And they're just going to try to, like, pull her up with them. You know, like, let, like have her sit up. They're going to, like, have her stand. Okay. And they kind of, like, are, like, like they're puppeting someone. Sounds, uh, yeah, like, Ratatouille. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ. Like, rat- <laughs> like Ratatouille. Yeah, you... She, yeah, she rises like a puppet, and it's all, like, very, like, artificial, jerking kind of wooden movements. And her eyes are still closed, and her head is, like, lolling around, flopping around as you get her into a standing motion. Um, and, yeah, you're able to puppet Ravi uh, in this way, but Dewey's giving you a look. Uh, how are the rest of you responding to this? One step um, at a time. One step at a time. Okay. Somebody help me. Uh, Teal her? I, this is creepy. I don't want to... I have nothing left. Yeah, Dewey, what do you have? Do you have, like, a healing potion or something with your artificer? No, I have have one more spell slot. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, I probably wouldn't have done that if Dewey could Yeah, I didn't know that you had... No, I forgot. Okay. Uh, I was sitting here wondering. Uh, That's ten points of healing. What is the spell that you're using? Cure wounds. I didn't remember, and I don't think Dewey remembered, like, but the shock of seeing Oka, like, trying to puppet this dead body. Sure. Okay, like, this unconscious body. Yeah, Dewey's like, wait, hold on. I can. I have a simple solution. I don't want to say this. Yep. Uh, you rush forward. You lay your hands uh, upon Ravi's sort of like torched skin and healing like magic sort of flows through her. You sort of see like the wounds like skin form over the burned, charred parts of her body. Um, almost like it's, it's rapidly accelerating the body's natural healing process by a matter of weeks probably. Uh, and then you sort of, all four of you sort of see Ravi take her first like independent step of Oka's bloodbending and just, ugh. And like her breath starts coming in very hot and very fast and her eyes sort of flutter. They look deep, 
unfocused at first, but then, like, it's Ravi uh, coming back through her face, and she's like, steadies herself and looks around and goes, where am I? What? Oka? Sorry. Sorry about what I said before I left. Oka, you... You don't have to apologize. I... Who are these people? My friends. We need to go. You have we need friends now. now? Uh, Ravi looks startled at that when you say that. Uh, but she goes, yeah, uh, you're right, you're right. We should... And interrupting her, all of you feel the chamber around you shake. Like a... Like a tremor. And a few loose pebbles fall from the ceiling and scatter against the gold. We don't... We don't have a lot of time left. It was Vinash keeping all of this up. Those tunnels, they're not supposed to be here. The people, the people, the, the, the miners, they're, they're still in the walls, aren't they? I don't know. We don't know. Okay, we have to get out of here, but Vinash is in you now. You can use him. Tap into your soul. Tap into him. Oka? No, 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 no. Oka, you can do this. Uh, and this big hobgoblin woman takes a step toward you and, like, takes your hands in hers. Oka, I trust you. You can do this. Get up the rope, then. Okay. Uh, she turns toward the rope, sort of nods at you, Manaya, Dewey, and V, but doesn't say anything, and she sort of <clears throat> gets on the rope, and despite her injuries, despite only having ten hit points now, she's able to sort of climb and get her way up. Uh, the four of you reach the top of the rope. Uh, you're in that hallway. You can see the spiral go all the way back out again. You can sort of see the end of that bend. Um, and Ravi pauses up here and says, Oh, my mind, it's like... It's like I was in the back seat of my own head. Oka, we have to do it now. We don't have a lot of time. To punctuate what she's saying, the entire chamber rattles again, but stronger this time, and bigger rocks fall from the ceiling of the chamber, and, like, the walls around you begin to crack. I mean, we need to move. Move. Go. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Okay. Um, so the four of you turn, the five of you, I suppose, turn and begin to run back out. What do you Manaya do? Manaya grabs her axe. Mm-hmm. Manaya, you grab your axe. You're like at one hit point, but you're like hobbling along. You're, you're real messed up, Manaya, but you're still going. How about the rest of you? What do you do? Oka gets underneath Manaya's arm and like helps support her like with their hip and with their other arm. Okay. Whenever we get to the first miners, Oka will stop. Okay. What about you, Dewey? Dewey was just booking it down the hallway as fast as he could, sometimes glancing back, but we'll also stop at the miners. Sounds good. Uh, the four of you sort of pause at the first miner. This is sort of like, let's say, like a half-elf woman is lodged in the wall, sort of like, just like a mannequin, like her ha- arms are down by her sides, her eyes are closed, she looks like she's either dead or asleep. Oka. Uh, Ravi stops and turns to you and says, you can do this, Oka. It's going to hurt, but that's not unusual to our profession. You can take it. If I could take it, you can take it. Okay, it's going to close their eyes. Okay. They're going to think Vinash's name. Okay. You think Vinash, and it's sort of like just a bolt of lightning sort of goes through your head. And all of you outside, as Oka's eyes are closed, see Oka's like, hair begin to stand on end. Little like jolts of electricity come off, like leap off their skin. Their like eyes through like their closed lids begin to like glow red. And you hear a voice in your head. Vinash's voice from earlier go, What is it? Let them out. Open up the walls and let them out. 
Uh, and you hear like this huge roar of effort. It's like a clap of thunder. And Oka, roll a d4. Jumped right out of my box. It's a four. You lose four points of health uh, due to lightning damage, actually, as this pain sears through your nerves. Um, and all of you sort of see Oka's body like involuntarily twitch with pain. As all around you, you hear like noises like uh, wood being splintered by a huge axe, except all of you know it is the crystalline walls cracking. A cracking open right above you. Crack it opens and this half-elf woman falls out. As soon as that starts happening, Manaya turns to Dewey, V, and Navi and says, All right, if they're unconscious, carry as many as you can. And she's going to start hobbling forward down the hall. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. More people. Oh, Manaya, you're too good for this world. Yeah, crack, crack, crack. Like just huge peals and claps of thunder ricocheting all around you. Not just down this tunnel, you can hear it beyond too. There's so many miners being freed right now. And as this half-elf woman falls out of the wall, she sort of, and wakes up. Uh, she like falls to her uh, like knees and hands. She goes, "What? What's going on? Where? Where am I? What? What's happening?" V's gonna rush over and be like, "It's okay. You're safe now. But we have to get out of here. Can you walk?" Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I. What is this place? This this isn't the mines. Uh, but she gets up and she's listening to you. She seems really scared and disoriented, so she's willing to just listen to whatever like someone competent is saying. So she you follow she follows you and Oka, you can feel it's like you are connected to this mountain. Like every crack, you can see it in your mind's eye. You can see everyone, every single person being let out simultaneously all at once. Uh, This is a sort of vision that sort of transcends what mortals are capable of seeing just in one dimension. It's like you're seeing in a thousand different dimensions as all these people are coming out of the cracks. And you can also see that you can sense intuitively that the mountain is beginning to collapse. And you only have probably a couple of minutes to get everyone out safely. In the mind's eye... Oka's going to imagine like the walls behind, mm. behind like the la- the people on the farthest edges, moving forward to put like to push them fo- to herd them basically, mm. oh. so that they don't go down the wrong way. Like using the like just closing off the wall and pushing them in. That's really smart, actually. I'll give you a point of inspiration for that. Uh, so Oka, as you Im- <laughs> as you imagine this power, as you channel Vinash's ability through your own body. All of you sort of hear like a huge groaning noise that almost feels like to you, Manaya, like uh, the rush before a huge like tsunami swells on the ocean, but it's like a swell of rock. It's like a wave of rock and and crystal. The and you like Manaya, as you were hobbling forward, like trying to help, like maybe like an older dwarf man off the ground. You see this like wave, like pushing everyone else out. So, okay, do you open your eyes now and you're like walking as this lightning sparking off of you? I don't think Oka would be able to move unless somebody was pulling them along. I think V is mostly just going to be like, anytime she meets someone new, she's just like giving the same spiel. Like, are you okay? It's safe now, but we have to get out of here. Yep. And just like, yeah, person after person. Sounds good. That that leaves Dewey to help Oka. I think Dewey at first was just booking it down the hall, like gesturing to everyone, like, follow me. It's this way. But then he looks back and Oka's still where they were standing he's like oh so he runs back into deeper into the thing to go find oka and like tug at their hand i guess okay dewey you take oka's hand in your feathered hand and you pull them along and it's pretty easy to pull oka along i think you're not like rooted to the spot or anything and as soon as you're compelled along you you almost lose your connection to the mountain it's so new this power but you're able to grasp onto it uh, and you sort of stumble along after dewey 
So the four of you guiding these people, you know, who have been dumped out, you know, this rush of wall uh, and stone and crystal and gem pushing everyone else out. And the four of you go pretty much out back the way you came. You are like come out of the wall of where these three crystal constructs were now shattered onto the ground. You could go back through that huge door. You see these huge, this huge chamber, this huge corridor with tangled swinging axes and these murals, like a line on the walls. And all these miners now are dumped out. And there's like a couple dozen now. It's turning, like a lot of people are being dumped out into this huge chamber that can hold them all because it's such a gigantic corridor. And the four of you sort of shout at them. You know, you lead them out. All of you can feel the mountain quaking, Oka. You are trying to like keep this mountain structurally like intact uh but your grip is starting to slip uh so the four of you are able to finally usher out all of the miners out back the way you came out through that tiny little tunnel and that perfect hole at the very end of the Ujval mine to back backtrack your steps and everyone begins filtering out running 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 the four of you tangled up in this mess running 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 out Anything the four of you would like to do before we reach the actual outside of the mines? Like, we're leaving this dungeon area, and we're entering out into Dabathati again? Oka's just going to make sure that they're the last person in the cave, because they know it's going to crumble as okay. soon as they step out. Sure. Sounds good. What about the rest of you? V's going to just take, like, sort of the middle of the pack and just make sure everyone's doing all right somewhere in, deep in the middle of the pack. Sounds good. Yeah, you're, like, barking orders, making sure no one gets lost. Everyone's, like, not trampling anyone else, etc. Eventually, the four of you pour out into the actual mine area. And you can feel, hear people, like, chattering and, like, talking all around you. They're, they're like, like, oh, what's going on? You know, just, like, murmuring, murmur, murmur, murmur. Everyone put, gets out of the crystalline tunnels, right? V, you come out. Dewey, Manaya, arm in arm with a miner, come out. And Oka, you're, you pause. You pause at the threshold, at the entrance, this perfectly circular entrance that you now know was Vinasha's work. And you can feel the entire depth of the godspine quaking and collapsing behind you. What do you do? I step out. And the wall seals behind you. Like it was never there. You sort of see rocks fill its space and then like a glow, like a red glow over it. And it's just a smooth, plain just rock. And you, Oka, intuitively know that unless someone else could harness a god's power again, this tunnel will forever be sealed again. The four of you step out of the Ujval mines into afternoon evening light. And all around you is just noise. Like all four, it's very bright. I think it's the brightest it's been since you've like gone into this dungeon. So all four of you maybe take a moment to like blink your eyes. And Oka, as soon as you sort of leave the dungeon area, the mountain, you're, you feel Vinash like settle back into your soul and hibernate in like a hibernate nation status almost. Like if, if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know that he was there inside of you. But that, what he just did seemed to take a lot of energy out of him. The four of you step out and you see just miners are hugging each other. There's that barricade, that like quarantine area has been forcibly broken open. You see like some people of, of the day watch uh, being like, hey, you can't go in and we're still quarantined, you know, but like and people, other miners have seen their friends and family come out. They are like tearing, they've, tear, they've torn open the barricade. There's just reunions happening everywhere all around you. There's like people standing beyond the barricade. The people of Dabathati seem to have been watching and wondering what was going to happen. And they're all like, ooh, and you see like old timey like news reporters like scrawling quickly on like pieces of parchment and like backed by bamboo as they're like watching what's going on. 
in this moment of like chaos and joyful, like t- people are like crying and holding on to each other. What do you do? V, I imagine it's still chaotic that uh, I don't think V has found the other three yet, but uh, like she sees people, like Manaya is easy to see. So she's gonna cast message and just be like, we did it. We, I can't believe we did it. And then she's gonna like basically see each person and just can send them a message as well. Just like, we did it. I can't believe we did it. That's so sweet. I'll give you a point of inspiration for that. That was the best part of the day. All of the miners that were taken by the rage, they got out and it was joyous for a moment. Manaya says to Dr. Eluso. Oh, great. Okay, we're back. We're back in here. Now, this was you all sort of like pitching together to tell the story. Wow. I mean, the four of you must be very proud of the work you did. I don't think just any four people could have done that. I hope your doubts have been alleviated as to what we can do. They certainly have been. And I trust that the Senate was more than grateful? Well, they didn't exactly approve us tearing down the barricades, but Mm -hmm. as much as we said, we didn't partake in that. Uh, and I think in this moment, it sort of flash to like another flashback of the four of you. This is like maybe like an hour or two after everything, all the miners have been rescued and set free. Um, the four of you are in a room inside uh, the district of Vinash, actually. This is one of the rooms that the uh, Daywatch uses uh, for training. This is one of their like captain's headquarters. And the four of you have been, so Palin Miao, this um, human woman, captain of the Daywatch, that you, the four of you sort of bumped heads with earlier. She's not as cool as the captain of the Night Watch, who was, like, pretty chill with the four of you. Um, she is on the other side of this, like, table. And the four of you are seated on the other side of the table. Almost feels like an interrogation room sort of situation happening. She's standing there with her arms crossed, and she goes, So, the four of you did it, huh? And he destroyed quite a lot of city property in the process. The people are united, and the threat to your profit is saved. Huh. I think at this point, like, medics have patched y'all up, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're no longer, like, on the brink of death <laughs> sort of situation. Have the four of you told anyone about what you saw in that chamber with Ravi? The so, only uh, thing that mm-hmm. V is going to cons- be con- very consistent about is that the chrysalis helped in all of this, and that their cleric that came with us sacrificed himself. His life? <laughs> Uh, in in helping us, you know, save everybody. So you weren't even able to rescue his body? If you want to go back into those mountains and try to find it, be my guest. Ah, uh, you know what? I, I, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> On my account, one more dead chrysalis member is, is, a, is a boon to society. So, hmm, what happened in there? How did you... Were they all just sort of huddled in a chamber, attacking each other, or...? What's the story you've agreed upon of what actually happened? All the miners seem to have maybe have some, like, amnesia. They don't really remember mm-hmm. much after they were taken by the rage. So what is the cover story here? Does V use her skills? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the cover story is exactly what people expect. They're, when the rage subsided, it subsided for them, but they were trapped in the cave, huddled in corners, whittling away. And we just found the entrance... And got them all out, and as soon as they started moving, everything started collapsing. Okay, so there's just sort of like a big chamber. You don't say anything about the giants. You don't say anything about that corridor. 
not to the government. Do, do, do you all think there should have at least been some creature perpetuating the rage that we killed while in there? Like I make feel like up we need creature? to attribute the rage yeah. to something mm -hmm. so they know it's safe now. Mm -hmm. So, and we're like, we shattered its gem and the rage dissipated. Something like that. So, yeah, yeah it, was the, exactly. it was a construct. It was a construct. Okay. So, you, you tell go. her the story. She goes, So, the, the creature is dead now? But do you have any yes. proof of its death, its shattered gem? Once again, if you'd like to go into the caves that collapsed to find it, be uh, my guest. Nah, you are know what? I, th I think we're good. Are the saved prisoners not evidence enough? I suppose. They're, they haven't been very useful in questioning, though. They all seem to suffer from amnesia. They don't even remember anything until stepping out of the cave. Something strange about that mountain. Yes, yes. You know all the folk tales and the myths of this being some big old giant's tomb? I think that's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> she sort of strokes her chin, looks at the four of you, and says, well, it's definitely dead. It's not going to come back. Definitely. The cave, the cave has even collapsed as we walked out. So whatever remaining life was crushed along with it. Okay, well, I guess like, we could let you off with a slap on the wrist for just destroying a little bit of... Um, and the door opens, um, and all of you sort of hear a voice that says... Uh, Captain Meow, I'm not sure if that will be necessary. These are heroes, are they not? And stepping through the door, you see a Triton woman with sort of blue skin, these like gills. Uh, she looks like a shark, like a hammerhead shark. She's dressed real nice in these like nice robes. She's flanked on either side uh, by like a personal guard. Uh, and Captain Meow goes, oh, a console but of all. I uh, weren't expecting you here. Oh, yes, of course not. Well, I'm, I'm actually here uh, on behalf of all three consuls. We wish to celebrate our heroes and reward them accordingly for saving our capital city. Hello. She sort of like, like smiles to the four of you. Uh, my name is Karishma. I am the consul of Suraksha here in Dabathati. My apologies for not making my introduction earlier. We are quite swamped with other requests. Uh, the refugee crisis has been quite hard on our city. So I have to thank you, the four of you individual heroes, for taking care of this growing problem in our minds. You have our deepest appreciation. And she goes, the four of you are free from questioning. Please enjoy the rest of your night, but we, we would love to have a uh, award ceremony uh, in the Senate House to sort of acknowledge your, the four of yours efforts. Tomorrow, please. And if you need to go somewhere, I realize based on my records that none of you are technically part of our, our capital city, but due to your heroism and your efforts, you're welcome in Dabathati anytime. But if you want to go back home or visit your friends or family, what whatnot, outside of the city, we'll be more than happy to charter a caravan for you. Well, I think we're a little overdue for a feast. Yes, quite. There will be a dinner in your honor if you can stay for just another night. How public is this whole affair? There will be press, but the general public will not be allowed in. You can, of course, invite a few people, friends in the city that you would like to attend. Uh, perhaps that uh, hobgoblin woman that I, I saw the four of you consorting with. You can invite her, friends from the mines. It would be nice to, to see the miners represented at the ceremony, actually. Let's make that happen. Uh, she sort of like talks to one of like her guards, and guard the assistant goes, yes, yes, of course, and like scribbles us down. Uh, so sort of on that scene, we transition over to the award ceremony itself. This is sort of like in the middle of the Senate House, uh, sort of in their like grand, like big, like meeting hall area. The Senate House is like, like a big 
courtyard, sort of like medieval, like Indian style situation, like with beautiful, like plants and ferns and gardens, like outside and like just multiple houses connected to each other by walkways, uh, guarded by palatial guards. Um, and the four of you uh, are seated at the very front uh, of an audience area. There's sort of like a stage area that's elevated slightly above the audience. Um, and Karishma is at the stage. He's at the podium giving a speech about Dabathati, Dabathati's future, heroes, whatnot. And each of the four of you is expected to go up one at a time for her to like put a medal of like heroism on you. Yes, Oka. It doesn't go. You don't show up? Send Ibia. You send Ibia in your up. stead. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> that's cute. Okay. Does anyone else not show up, or do you all show up otherwise? Do we realize that Oka's not coming? Or do you or... just not show up randomly? Uh, they might not show up randomly. Okay. Uh, they send Mama Fish and Ibia in, and Ibia has a little, like, a uh, piece of parchment pinned to their shirt that says Oka on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that. Yeah, Mama Fish is sitting at the one seat that's been reserved for you, and Ibia is sitting in her lap. Oka pinned on her chest. What about the rest of you? I mean, Manaya's there. Okay. Yeah, V's going to show up, and um, again, it's just going to be very pro-Chrysalis throughout the entire night. Like, if she has, if she's allowed to say a few words, she's going to, again, applaud the Chrysalis for all of their support. Uh, so V shows up. Dewey, do you show up? Uh, no. You also impromptu don't show up. So why uh-huh. not? Um, it's too high profile. Okay, so. yeah. And I think it would be a good time for me to do... To get stuff done. Sounds good. When everyone else is busy. Actually, I do have one invite that uh, V would have wanted to send out. I think each of you are allowed to bring like a plus one or something to this event. Plus two. This I is don't an want event them to, to come you. with me, but I just want them to have an invitation, but not with me. Is it going to uh, like be a- Adam? Sievert. Wow. Okay. You invite, so you send, like, because he's, like, a pretty well-known figure, so it's pretty easy to get his, like, public office. And you know where his office is, because uh, he burned it down. Uh, you send a missive to Sievert's office inviting him to, this, to the award ceremony. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so this is what happens at the award ceremony. Mama Fish with Eva in her lap, like Karishma glances a couple times down and sort of like frowns a little when she sees this huge like orca woman uh, with this human girl, this preteen human girl in her lap. There's just an empty seat where Dewey should be. Manaya's there, V's there, and there's an audience of, as she promised, just mostly senators and like press with like, there's like a delegation of minors sort of like up front as well. And like, I don't think Ravi's there because I have a feeling I know where Oka is. Also, Ravi has to be recovering. Her injuries were a lot worse than yours. I think she's still on bed rest. And there's an empty seat where Sievert is supposed to be. He did not show up. And Karishma finally finishes giving her speech and the other two consoles are seated on the stage. And at this point, Manaya and V, you're the only ones who see what they look like. One of them is a Leonin man. He's sort of sitting there and like he's got like jet black fur, except like his mane is red. And he's just sitting there like very goth. Uh, And you see like, even though this is just a ceremony, he has a huge maul that's sort of like strapped to his back and he's sitting there like big muscles, very like, you know, trans dudes on tea after five years for the situation (laughs) here. (laughs) Like with the facial hair. Um, Except that he has these two tiny little spectacles on, like balanced on the bridge of his nose. And you know him as Abramer Rahim. He is the consul of Vinash. 
He's in charge of war in Dabathati and in the Republic beyond that. And the final consul, this third consul, sort of dwarfed by both Karishma and Abramed, a gnome man, very small, about the size of Ebio, if not smaller. His feet are sort of dangling off the ground, like on this chair, and he sort of looks a little like, like nervous as he's sitting up there. Uh, he has this like tiny little like tip pointed hat, almost like a wizard's hat. You, oh, you recognize it as similar to the hat that Magic Mike wore. Oh, uh, and he stepped up. But he's sitting there. He's got this like little beard on. Uh, and you know him as Hajvaz Sardat. He is the consul of Thristi or creation. He's in charge of entertainment, arts, and sciences. And he's sitting there and po- the podium kind of blocks him. You get the feeling that like maybe like he's not seen as, as important to the city as the other two consuls. He like tried to give a few words, but was cut off by like the award music, you know, at the end. Uh, so finally comes the ceremony. Go on to the podium. Karishma gives you a medal, V. In that private moment, you can sort of like see a bunch of people sketching. She goes, thank you for your service. Thank you. She nods. And you move on, gives it to you, Manaya. Thank you for your service. Manaya nods. Uh, she goes to, uh, steps up to Mama Fish. Uh, thank you for your service. She puts it over Mama. It like, doesn't quite fit, but she like gets it on Mama Fish's snout. She goes, what? Oh, uh, it's nothing. Uh, and she like waddles uh, across the stage. And finally, Ibia, she goes, uh, Thank you for your service. And it's like a hu- it's like huge is like weighing her down this metal. And Ibia goes, oh, yes, 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 I'm the next hero of Dabatha. And it's like she's like ushered off the stage very quickly uh, by like a couple of security guards. Uh, so, so that's sort of like how the award ceremony goes. And off that, the four of you sip your tea in Dr. Oliso's cottage after telling them how your exploits, how your quest uh, in Dabathati went quelling this magical rage. You tell Dr. Aluso everything, right? What do you leave out? I think V... V is gonna come clean about her experience with the chrysalis and the deal she made with Adam in regards to Sievert and us helping get the chrysalis maybe in better standing with the public perception. She's going to come clean with all that at this point. Uh, as you say this, uh, this perhaps comes as a shock to Oka in particular, as you come clean about the scope of your deal with the chrysalis. Dr. Lusa pauses and says, why would you do that, V? Well, let's just say that uh, I thought about it deeply, and I thought that I had some interests that I thought the chrysalis might be able to take care of, and I thought that maybe I could help them with theirs. And that way, it would look like perhaps we could trust each other, and I could get some more information from them. <sighs> the, the deals you make are your own, but sometimes they aren't. Are you sure this won't affect your party's livelihood, that this won't come to bite us all? Well, I think based on my understanding and what I've learned about them, I think we were going to have to deal with this sooner or later, but at least now we know more information than we knew beforehand. And what information do we know about the Chrysalis? Well, what have you found out about, aside from the fact that they promise perfect bodies to their followers, which is, of course, <laughs> just a lie. Are we going to go... <laughs> yeah, do you want to go... <laughs> yeah, okay, so we, yeah. so V, as you, as you think about what to say, we go into your eyes and we flash back to... An office, familiar office that you've been in before. Uh, just this very humble, there's just a desk, but it's just that and just a rug. And on the other side of that desk is Adam. 
the leader of the chrysalis, or so you have been told, this figurehead known as the imago, which is a term for the final stage in an insect's metamorphosis. He sits on the other side of this desk, his fingers steepled, looks at you, and you sit on the other side. Adam looks at you. V. Adam, when did you feel like you were going to tell me that Shakor uh, is nothing but puddle of goo, disguised as a human? Hmm. Adam tucks a lock of blonde hair behind his pale ear. Just to further cement that he's a white guy. Uh, (laughs) And he sort of adjusts the tie of his suit. It's like Western style suit, which is extremely unusual in Andake. And he goes, I was wondering if that would become relevant during your quest. I take it that you were unable to rescue his remains. Unfortunately, no. I mean, first off, we didn't know what to do with them. What do you do with Bottle of Goo, who used to be human? You never gave instructions on how to perhaps, I don't know, take care of the remains of a bottle of goo. And what was, what's that chain that was inside of the goo? Uh, like, I have so many questions. You have to, maybe perhaps if we're going to keep working with each other, you're going to have to tell me some things here. I suppose I should let you in a little. You have proven yourself to be quite... Successful in your promises. Uh, Our recruitment efforts have doubled thanks to all of the good you say we've done. And I believe that the vote about whether or not the chrysalis should become illegal in Talmud has been postponed. I think indefinitely. The Shakur was not a man, necessarily. At least not... That was obvious. Not originally. He became a man after several hard weeks of learning how to do so. But he used to be, well, he didn't have a name for himself. I've decided to give the name to him. He's what I call a flesh warper. They are creatures, emissaries of the chrysalis, given to us uh, after the old gods vanished and abandoned this plane. Uh, I call those little creatures, uh, those adorable little things with the mouths. So he's like referring to the little chicken boys with like the huge gnarly teeth. I I call those creatures the wretched. Because they do look a little wretched. But they mean well. They do. So I'm assuming these wretched kill so that you can take the souls to harvest to put into new, new flesh warpers? I will allow you this question, due to the good you've done for me, and I will allow you one more after that. But again, as we both know, information is currency here. So, to answer your first question. Yes. We take the souls of the, uh, the unworthy, let's say, the grass, to help feed our operation. After all, the chrysalis, though powerful and supreme and divine, all magic comes from somewhere. These souls are necessary, let's say, to help keep our operation going. And of course, we wouldn't want to take the souls of individuals such as yourself or your friends. No, 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 no. The only souls we harvest here are the souls of, of, of the grass, the, you know, the, the, the average, the, the, not even the below, the people who don't really contribute much to society. Get what I'm saying? At least this way, they're contributing. 
that's a delightful way of looking at it. I mean, as someone who deals in in value and currency, you understand, uh, that, right? Yes, I think it's a very wise choice. I think, you know, not all people are equal. Uh, you know, some people are more important, valued more. Exactly. Uh, Thank you. We are not all equal. I guess my final question then would be. Are you a paragon? Does that mean anything to you? Roll insight. Twelve. Twelve. You see uh, an expression flash across Adam's face. It's surprise. First of all, shock, more like that you know the term at all. Um, and then he, and then there's sort of like a confusion in his eyes. Something dark, very violent for a moment in his eyes, like you've never seen it before. And then he sort of, the mask is back on, and he goes. Paragon, what do you mean? Well, let's just say in my travels that uh, it seems to me that there are supernatural entities. Uh, you know, I hate the term gods. I've never believed in the gods, but I have seen some things in these last few months that I cannot explain. Traveling between bodies, containers. I see what you're doing here with souls. So I'm wondering, perhaps, are you one of these people who had some type of energy flow into them? You told me when the first time we met that you were a con man. So I don't think they're just lying to me. I don't think you're putting on a show. I think perhaps you were in the right place at the right time to maybe catch something that is giving you more power than you're letting on. And don't call it chrysalis. We all know that that's nothing more than a term you made up. Okay. I don't usually ask for charisma rolls, but I'm going to ask you to roll persuasion. Well, I do love my charisma-based stats. I know. So I'm like, well, let's see. Let's see what you got here, Garrica. 15. Okay. Adam pauses, looks at you, and says, By Paragon... I assume you're referring to the paragons of yore. Gambit of Queens? You think I'm, you think I am the next paragon? These are children's tales. V, I thought you were smarter than this. V actually does legit laugh out loud. And after the last two months in Nandake and the things that I have seen, I'm ready and willing well i might be kicking and screaming believing this but i am willing to at least give a chance to believe that some of these stories might actually be true he sort of looks at you make a charisma saving throw nat 20 yeah <laughs> wow 26 on your save that is successful that is successful, I will say. Uh, so you feel like, as Adam's looking at you, you feel almost like a spike. It's similar, it's like it's being done to you. Almost like, similar to like a detect thoughts, but this is something greater than that. It's much more powerful magic. It's like getting splintered into your head. How do you fight it out? I am going to fight it out by casting Scorching Ray at this motherfucker. Oh, oh, oh God! Oh. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, uh, make an attack roll, I guess. <laughs> because of the nat 20, I'll give you advantage on your attack roll. And while you do that, let's transition over, uh, I think, to Oka. 
So we flash back to the present. And Dr. Aluso says, well, if you need some time to think of an answer, V, I understand. Oka, a lot's been going on with you. How have you been taking it? And then we sort of like zoom in on her face. <laughs> As we know, you're not fine. Uh, and we flash back to a hospital bed. Ravi is sort of like sitting in like this bed uh, with like a blanket over her. And you are sitting next to her, Oka. This is where you went instead of the ceremony. And as you're sitting beside Ravi, Ravi's actually like reading a book. There's like a brief silence. How do you break it? I think I break it by waking up (laughs) uh, because Oka would have like passed out in the chair with like their face on the side of the bed, you know? Mm -hmm. Sheer exhaustion. Yep. I think like they just kind of like you're awake. Oh, good. You're awake. Mm. Ravi closes the book and sets it aside. Looks down at you, Oka. Your like eyes are all puffy from exhaustion. Like your hair is all fucked up. You don't look good at all. Ravi goes, you know, it was <clears throat> pretty unnecessary for you to stay up all night waiting for me to wake up. I didn't want to. I'd rather not sleep. Did I sleep? Yeah, you were, you were out for a while. I think you're missing the ceremony. Good. I didn't want to go anyway. I told Divya to go. Yeah, she and Mama Fish were very excited. How is your... Um, it just kind of gestures at all of Robbie's body. I'm okay. Since Vinash left me, I've been recovering. My health and my strength have been coming back to me slowly. Oka, that's something we need to talk about. I was... Conscious, but hurting when we escaped. I noticed you were the one who ferried us to safety. The pain. It still lingers, doesn't it? Nothing I can't handle. Robbie sort of looks at you sideways and says, Every time you... Let me put it this way. Vinash is powerful. It is a part of your soul now. He can do incredible things. He can get you out of dangerous situations. He can inflict dangerous situations at your will. And I have a feeling he'll be a lot more amenable to what you want because you're a paragon. Uh, Okay, so you're obviously still sick. No. Uh, I'm just going to go. Oka, wait. Uh, Basically, this explanation, what it means is Starting with that D4 we rolled earlier, that isn't just, like, you, you take lightning damage. That is a damage to your total hit points, your maximum HP. So for now, you should still write what your original maximum HP is somewhere. You should note it somewhere. But until you base, until Vinash is removed from your body, every time you tap into his power, your maximum HP will be reduced. And the die will increase. So it was a D4. The next time you use it will be a D6. Ouch. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Ravi says, I didn't believe it myself, but the visions he showed me, then that final confrontation with you, the fact that you're still conscious, I could barely hold him. I wasn't, I was half conscious during that entire time that he was in me. Ravi, how did you... And Oka like leans in close. How do you get a god stuck in your body? It was honestly an accident. A couple weeks back, I was scouting out the monster fighting rings, trying to look at these new monsters Orox had brought in. 
Lady Saram found me, sent her guards after me. I ran through the tunnels. You know, I know the city. I know these tunnels like the back of my hand. So I ran, I, I lost, I ditched the goons at the entrance to the mines, but one of them was particularly persistent. So I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. And then he must have found me. He was looking for strong people, Oka, for a reason. He was looking for warriors to protect him. He was scared. He's still scared. These new monsters, Oka, they don't just go around killing people for no reason. There's a reason. They're preparing for something. They hunger. They thirst. If they can get the soul of a god, even the echo of an echo of a god, which is what... That's not even Vinash, really. That is an that is an echo of Vinash in you. Just a speck of his power. It was severed from the rest of Yudabathi during the cataclysm. Adolin, you know why they say it's the thinning of the veils, right? It's when the gods can move into the now, or at least a part of them. Whenever the, whatever this cataclysm was, it wasn't a coincidence. This was on purpose. It happened on Adolin for a reason. It severed this shred of Vinash, this shred of Yudabathi, from the rest of it. It's impossible. You know, I... If I were you, I think it was impossible too. But I know this to be true because Vinash showed it to me. The fear, the loneliness he felt after Adolin was incomparable. So he lashed out. And the only way he knew, infecting people with his rage, not to hurt the people of Dabathati, but to protect himself. And I was the strongest body he'd found so far. So he placed himself in me. Being outside of me, he's unstable. He was causing all these disasters in Dabathati, the buildings collapsing, because he hadn't found a vessel yet. Okay, well, apparently I'm not it either. No, you're... Honestly, I didn't... I don't know if I could even believe what he was telling me when he was in me, but... Paragons are real. They were real. They are real. Whenever Endake is thrown into crisis, paragons appear to help her. You're not a paragon of Yudabathi. But you are of a different god. I mean, this is... I know. No, I am. Would Oka have told Ravi what happened to them? Or does Ravi still not know? They would have said the bare minimum without any of the context. Bouncing back to V, what did you get for your scorching ray on Adam? <laughs> so I had to roll a d20 for each one. So the first one is 13. Okay. The... Second one is 23. Okay. And the third one, listen to me closely, nat 20. The 13 doesn't hit. The 23 does not hit, but the nat 20 does. So why don't you roll down? Sorry, did you just say, did you just say a 23 doesn't hit? Yeah, the 23 doesn't Sorry, hit. Sorry, did you just say that a 23 doesn't hit? <laughs> the 23 doesn't hit. I don't know what you're expecting. <laughs> you done fucked up. <laughs> uh, so what did you... Um, so 17. 17 total. Okay, so describe to me what it looks like. Yeah, I'm just going to... Fling my glove hand in the direction of Adam, and basically three just come out all at once. One dead center, and the other two just on either side of him, in either direction, hitting hitting furniture or whatever is in the office, the wall. Okay. 
Uh, what level is Scorching Ray cast at? I cast it at a level two spell. Okay. One, I think instead of hitting either side of Adam, they all three of them seem to like be hitting their mark because he's literally right across the desk from you. Like he's right there. He's at point blank range, basically. He's sort of like as quickly as you do. As soon as you throw out your diamond, he whips his hand and he misdirects one ray. And you see it splash and splatter uh, against the wall. And it turns into water. It splashes against the wall. He misdirects the other one. And it it splats against the wall. It turns into just like a glob of flesh. And then it begins to drip down the wall. But the third one, as he's like busy misdirecting these two, pins him sort of in the shoulder. And he's sort of blasted backward in his swively chair. And he like hits like the opposite wall. He goes, ugh. And you burn away like part of his suit. And it's like smoldering a little. And he goes, V, 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 knock This was bespoke. Uh, And he snaps his fingers and he mends his suit. And he goes, we don't have to turn to violence here, do we? Because I assure you, V, you will not walk away from this victorious. I was merely responding to you trying to get inside of my head. Maybe if you don't want to get burned, (laughs) don't go inside of my head. I have to give you credit for that, V. You're a lot more resilient than I thought you were. Fine, I come clean. I was trying to pierce into your soul. Why are you asking? It, that way, it sounds so romantic. <laughs> he sort of like smooths out like his his shirt. He like like scooches his 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 chair back in. He says, "Why are you so obsessed and interested in these paragons?" As the way that I see it, these last two months in Andake, if I'm going to make any kind of profit off of what is going on now, I need to know what's going on. If I'm one of the only people who knows what's going on, I can leverage that to the best of my ability. I see. I see. Then perhaps, if that was your last question, I suppose you have my answer. I don't know what you're talking about. Good conversation. Also, I was wondering, could I get one of these cool robes to wear around? You know, if I'm the prophet of the chrysalis, and if I'm going to keep doing that work, I would love to have one of these lovely robes I see everybody wearing. Fine. Shakur is dead, so Lily will help you. And he seems still, like, a little, like, ruffled by the fact that you blasted him. He goes, ugh. V, an update on your dragonborn. He's not in Dabathati anymore. We tracked him, paper trail, witnesses. He had a, uh, dinner after your confrontation with him at his office. With... Aurochs herself. None of my spies were able to tell me what they were talking about, but it can't be anything good. Your man is tangled up with some powerful criminals, V. He left on a caravan that same night. He's out of Tabathati. I'm not exactly sure where he's gone. My guess, based on what he was wearing, somewhere cold. Perfect. I love that. I told you that he is dangerous and that he's not going to stop for anything, so uh, this is good information. Thank you so much for that. You are welcome, V. And for what it's worth, piece of advice from one con man to another, don't go around blasting your business associates with fire. <laughs> V's gonna stand up and like start heading towards the door 
as she's walking towards the door, she's going to be saying, from a con woman to a con man, let me just say that one piece of advice is don't lock yourself at the far end of the room from the door. And she's going to open it, run out, and cast Fireball back in the room. Jesus Christ, V! (laughs) And you're going to run away? (laughs) Yep. Uh, because you're not even stopping to see what happens. Why don't you just make it? Okay, it's a save, right? What level is that? It is level three. Okay. Uh, as soon as you're, like, thrusting your hand out to cast Fireball, you feel the magic that was, like, burning up in your palm fizzle out. Uh, as Adam throws out his hand and he counterspells what you were doing. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm just so like, he stifles it. Yeah, there's like a little bit of flame that comes out and he, he stifles it. And he, he says, V, 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 what did I tell you? You will never beat me. Uh, Lily, why Robert, don't you um, give our guest a robe on her way out? Fine. Uh, I'm going to go with Lily, get myself a robe. And as I'm leaving, I'm actually going to disguise self wearing these robes. I'm going to go with an awesomer character. Uh, <laughs> okay. Kind of tall, but not super tall. Pretty long hair, up, done. Yeah, I mean, covered in these robes now, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't tell Adam anything about Vinash or anything like that, right? You still used your cover story? Correct, yep. About the crystal construct? Okay, sounds good. Uh, so you leave disguised as this awesomer, draped in the robes of the chrysalis. And on that... We go back to Oka. Ravi is there looking at you intently, Oka. How are you dealing with all this information? Oka's halfway shut down already. Mm-hmm. Absolute prince of repression right here. And they're just like, it's like you can say a fact in a book without ever having to actually tangle with what it means, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they're, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ravi pauses and says, Oko, oh, look, you have to have known that on some level, at least, you're... <clears throat> I need to get back into her voice. You're special, right? It's not any normal person who can survive a direct gore from a Tealian. And I didn't. Eh? I didn't. You live... You die. Sometimes you live again. And when you come back, you are never the same. Yeah. I'm aware. Oka, we're monster hunters by trade. The Tealian is one of the most powerful creatures that can roam our plane. One hit can decimate an entire city. The fact that you even came back I always knew there was something special about you, Oka. This only confirms it. Stop saying that. I'm not special. This is just some fucked up thing that I never, ever asked for. And I don't want it. Well, I never asked for this either, Oka. You think I wanted that thing inside me, burning me alive, making me hurt the people I care about? Sometimes bad shit happens to you, and you just have to keep going because other people are counting on you. You think a mother who loses her home can just give up? No, her family will starve. 
This fate, this destiny is on your shoulders, Oka, whether you like it or not. So what do I do? What do I do? You learn to control it. You sharpen your blade. You find who Yudabathi belongs to, and you give it to them. And then you find Sen. I might have something that can help you. Ugh. And they sort of like reach over into their bedside table, and they pull out like tattoo equipment. And you know what this is about, Oka. Pretty much like how she convinced you to become a blood hunter in the beginning was her dope ass tats. She's always told you, only when you were worthy will she give you your own blood weapons. She says, I noticed you broke your dao. I did. This will be a blade that will never break. Oka, I think it's time you have your own blood weapon. I only have enough ink for one, and it'll take your body a while to get attuned to one anyway. Come on, you know I want the blade. <laughs> give me your arm. I really am sorry for what I said before I left. I was young and angry, and I still am angry, but you're not a bad blood hunting teacher. Okay? I said it. Don't ever bring it up again. <laughs> You've grown soft, Oka. Must be those friends of yours. Oh, shut up. Uh, and she continues, like, tattooing you, says, It's fine, Oka. You don't have to apologize. I never resented you for it. And you know what? Maybe you were right. I'm not the best teacher. If I were better, maybe I could have prepared you more for something like this. Nobody could have been prepared for whatever this is. <laughs> You're right. Now, stop squirming. It hurts! As she's tattooing you, she says, this blade's name is Culling Edge. Treat her well. Back in Dr. Eluso's house, uh, they kind of flex their arm. Mm -hmm. I got a tattoo. That's all that happened, basically. It's a nice tattoo. Looks like a sword. I think that's pretty fitting. Dr. Eluso sort of nods. Doesn't seem to think much about it beyond the fact that it's just a tattoo. It says, and V... Well, if you don't want to tell me what you've learned about the chrysalis, I suppose I can't force you. Fine, if you're going to pull my arm and I just say everything that happened, every little detail of that. Every fight, single know. detail. Okay. <laughs> wow. Mm. Finally, it spills. Uh, the rest of you are reacting, this, reacting to this in real time as well. You shot the leader of the chrysalis with fire. Twice? So, wait, wait, wait. But Twice? Then he, ate it? he turned it into, he ate he it? It into water. He he snapped his fingers and just healed instantly, healed up his clothes. Uh, we're dealing with some messed up stuff here right now. He sounds like a very powerful magic user in that case. If you were able to counterspell your fireball. And Dr. Lusa says, and, and the water turned to flesh? That sounds like transmutation magic. Well, that tracks. He called it, what, the flesh warper? And Dr. Lusa is writing all of this down, like scribbling in record time. Well... I think you already know this in your heart of hearts, V, but Adam, if that even is his real name, was certainly lying about not knowing anything about the Paragons. I'm willing to wager he's intimately involved in everything that's happening here. Ugh. And this is the first time we see Dr. Aluso look probably, like, mad. 
They go, oh, if only I were there, I'd ugh, beat us. I just, and like they like calm themselves down. They look like genuinely like kind of pissed off when you like tell, tell them about Adam. And he said that they were collecting souls to feed this chrysalis thing. Yep. How? All the people who's, well, maybe not all the people, but certainly many people that uh, sign up and become the grass. I talk about like my incident with the contract, my first day in the orphanage and all that. Like there, there are people who seem to be just being prepared to be eaten by these wretcheds to then harvest those souls. How selfish and inhumane. These people must be stopped. Well, I tried my best. I believe you did, V, but it appears it will take all of our efforts to stop this. I don't think it's going to be as simple as walking up to their leader and blasting him into the beyond. I have a feeling they have a contingency plan for that. I doubt Adam is the only trick they have up their sleeve. But we have to keep an eye on this chrysalis. I'm glad you didn't entirely burn that bridge, even though it sounds like you tried. We can perhaps try to help you here, V. Try to learn as much about their plans as possible, though your attacking him certainly didn't help in curating that trust. But that's okay, V, that's okay. I know you were trying. I know it was a difficult position that you were put in. Hey, if he wouldn't have tried to read, read my mind, I probably wouldn't have tried to put him on fire several times. But look, I got cool robe out of it. <laughs> yes, that robe, that will be useful. Well, <laughs> thank you for telling me, and Oka, this matter of the Paragons, I... I thought it was just a fable, but clearly it's not. You. What did Vinash call you? The Sen? But apparently, I don't have Sen right now. No, you don't. If I had to guess, I'd say Sen is in Jukai. I've heard of quite a few rumors. Strange matters are happening all over Antake. There is the rage in Dabathati. Things are happening in Kanongbo, too. I, I've heard rumors of hares eating foxes. The cycles of nature reversing themselves. There seems to be some sort of imbalance happening in the United Tribes. All over Antake. There is much work to be done. Though speaking of helping people, Manaya... What's been going on with you? Mother, Nali, used to tell me stories of the Princess of Leaves. She said she was a child, fickle, and that she ran away from her responsibilities until she met a mortal woman who was doing the same. They both learned to take joy in what they did, and according to her, return to their respective homes. The woman that the Princess of Thieves met was my mother. <laughs> she was the most powerful warlock you've ever seen. She could conjure anything you wanted out of thin air. She'd spook me by teleporting behind me, pushing my chair over. I met the Princess of Thieves, and this time, she wasn't as childish as the stories said. Or wasn't as childish as when she met my mother. I see. 
And as you're telling the story, maybe we like zoom in on your white eyes that are now sort of like refracting with a bit of orange, a bit of green. Where are you, Manaya, as you try to contact the Princess of Leaves after all this ridiculousness has sort of died down? One night, Mm -hmm. uh, while the caravan's on its way to Dr. Aluso's, probably the second night of four. Sounds good. We're setting up camp and she's just going to take a moment where she walks a few paces away, sits down and closes her eyes and concentrates. Okay. Under the darkness of the starless sky, you close your eyes and you try to tap into your soul. I don't think you've ever really had any sort of magical training or you've never been very magically adept at all, but you're trying really, really, really hard to contact her. Manai's parents tried to teach her magic. It did not come to you. (laughs) You are not, you are not a natural at it, let's say. Uh, But you do feel something begin to stir within yourself. And it's like a little breeze flaps around your trench coat. And you smell that sweet smell of spring and summertime, like swirling in your nose a little bit. And then it's like a, the voice is like a gush of wind. Manaya? Hello. Hi. Uh, the voice sounds a little different from when you first heard her. It sounds younger. She goes, uh, this is new. You're new to this, aren't you? Well, mother tried to teach me magic, but she never taught me how to contact a changer of seasons. Oh, please, you can just call me the princess. Well, pleasure to meet you, I guess. When I'm saying all of this out loud. Yeah, sure. She says, uh, you don't have to talk out loud either. If you just think it, I'll know. And maybe people won't look at you as weird. When I look behind her. Yeah, you see, yeah, you see like some of the people who are working the caravan like <laughs> staring at you because you're just talking out loud to yourself. Oka's smoking and like, what the hell's going on? Um, so you close your eyes again and you think your next words, mm-hmm. which is? That, that's probably better. Yes. Manaya, I can't. It's hard for me to stay in contact with you. Uh, usually our bond is most strong when you're actually doing magic or if you really, really, really need me, but I wanted to say hi to you. I wanted to give myself a, a, a proper introduction. Well, Mother told me the stories, and I'm sure you've seen me. <laughs> yes. For the brief time that we were together. Yes. Oh, she... Your mother told me about telling you stories about me and us and, you know, your other mom and your dad, too. They they all love you so much, Manaya. Nali, she... Well, I... I suppose you have a lot of questions. They're not coming back, are they? Manaya, that's what I wanted to tell you. Nali, Napua, Kaelani... The three of them were alive. They, well, two of them still are alive. They're in the court, Manaya. I was unable to contact you because her magic isn't strong enough, but in a moment of death, I mean, nothing is more magical than a mother's love. She could sense that you were in trouble, Manaya, and she, well, gave her life for yours gave her power to you to bring you back. It's the only thing that could kill her in the court. Oh, something is very, very, very wrong in the court. Your parents, they're... You have to help them. It's awful. Thank you. Kyuo, I... I can't accept that, Manaya. I... 
I wasn't strong enough to help them. I... But you are. You are, Manaya. I can feel it. The space in your soul, it's so vast. I've never felt anything like it before. Nali was powerful. She was... But you, Manaya, there is such a space here. Vast like the ocean, like... Don't say it. Like... Mahu. I've had enough encounters with gods for the next seven years. <laughs> yes, yes, I imagine, but Manaya, if anyone can save the rest of your parents, it's you. You have to go to the court. They're trapped. I don't exactly know where, but they're, they're trapped in water somewhere. It's not Mahu's water. They're alive, but barely. They're not supposed to be alive. Something, some magic is keeping them. You have to help them. I have to get back to see the doctor. After that, we'll head out. Okay. If you want to talk again, Manaya, I can't... I can't promise I'll be around. It's so... It takes a lot out of me to talk and... <clears throat> to just exist outside of... inside of you. I... If you really need me, though, I'll be there. One more thing. Yes. My mother... Her powers... Will you teach me? It would be my honor. We love you, Manaya. Love you, Mom. And the Princess of Leaves sort of folds herself back into your soul. That's me. So... Sen. Dr. Luso points at Oka. Mahu. Points at Manaya. Ah. Dr. Lisa just sort of sits there as, like, nodding slowly. Cardu, has anything earth-shattering and horrifying happened to you? I got the long end of the stick, I imagine. Um, as long as we're sharing. <laughs> I w was sent on a quest for information about the Stranger War and these paragons... Um, a quest? Who who sent you on this quest? So, so I met the the assassin that was sent after me. Um, what? What? And I'm not like I'm here. I'm not dead. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> they want information though, and I mean I I it looks like I also need this information now that we're being very much affected. The Stranger War. Uh, fought back an assassin. Why does this assassin want information about a children's story? Well, obviously, wow, I have to reevaluate re my entire worldview. Clearly the Paragons aren't just children's stories. Why, regardless, why does this assassin wish to know more about this obscure bit of lore? Uh, something about his god being not able to contact his god anymore? Emissary? His god, do you remember who his god is? Uh, no. I forgot to ask. I Look, see. I, was, I almost died. I mean... Yeah, I, that must have been terrifying, yeah. Cardu. Yeah, a little bit. Wow. But it's, it's fine. Well, how about everything else? And sort of on that, we like zoom in on Dewey's big old yellow eyes. You're snooping, and especially because you've been like heralded as a hero in Dabathati, people are very willing to help you. 
You're given information and you're pointed to a bookstore in the district of Thristy. Not an inventor's shop, not a tinkerer's place, but a bookstore. Baosha's Books. And as you go in, it is this kind of reminds you, you're like maybe brought back briefly of like that cylindrical cavern that all of you saw Ravi in. But it's like a tall cylinder. It's like just books and books are lined like all around the edges. It goes all the way up. There are like a few people in this bookstore and you hear like a flutter of wings. And landing in front of you is an Aarakocra, just like yourself. Uh, like a tawny, like barn owl, like Aarakocra. Um, and she is about your height. She like rough her feathers and a, a few feathers like come off. She goes, oh, oh uh, you must be my three o'clock appointment. Uh, Dewey, Dewey Quirk, right? Uh, yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, like come into my office. You can fly, right? Yeah. I just, uh, follow, follow me right on up. It's such an, as, okay. she, as she gets up, her like wings flapping silently. You also, <laughs> you get up. <laughs> yeah, because she's less gracefully as a pigeon. Uh, she's like soaring up. There seems to be like a warm like channel of air from like runes at the very bottom that help like, float her up, 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 all the way to the top, and she lands on a perch and, like, begins walking into, like, this little, like, comfy, like, office nest area. Uh, c- come in, come in. Uh, there's plenty of room in this nest. I step in. Okay. Uh, she, she steps in as well, and she says, would you like some worms? Uh, no, that, no, that's okay. Well, how can I help you? I'm looking for, well, I'm looking for a couple things. What do you know about getting items that are... Bound to you, cursed, uh, off of you. If it's bound to you, it seems that thing, right? That do you mind if I take a look? Okay. Okay. She, she, yep. She whips out a couple of instruments. Like you recognize them as like tinker's tools, like a magnifying glass mostly. And she starts tapping around it with like her beak and like a little like spire. She's like, don't worry. I'll be, I'm, I'm being very gentle. I'm being very, ah, ah. Ah, and she like moves the, mic- the, the <laughs> microscope away. She's yeah. like, what? what? How did you? How does that? How did that get on your wrist? Not by. I didn't choose to. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Well, you've come to the right place. You know, for years and years and years, I've been collecting every scrap of knowledge I can find here. Bausch's books. I've read up on every magical thing imaginable that's available in the Republic. I. I will help you. Dewey Quirk, I will do my utmost to help you. Rest assured, that thing is a contraption. That is an extremely delicate, dangerous contraption. I, it, I'm sure you know it will blow up if you try to remove it. Which is why I don't want it on me. Agreed. Let's try to get it <laughs> off of you, Dewey. Unfortunately, hold on. And she's like flipping through a bunch of books with her like nose. I did it all flipping. I recognize the design a little. There's something, I can almost, she sprinkles some dust over it. It has like a minor reaction. It poofs a little. She goes, as I suspected, you can't remove this watch through mechanical means alone. If that were the case, I'd just send you to a tinkerer or you could probably just tinker with it and take it off yourself. Uh, But a more skilled tinkerer, if possible, than you. It's not just mechanical, Dewey. It's, you're right, it is cursed. There is a magical curse on this watch that prevents you from remo- removing it at all. But there is a way. And she's like flipping, flipping through all these books. Oh, but, oh no, but it's a, it's a hard, difficult way. Yeah, I figured. It requires a ritual. Uh, the ritual itself is, is simple enough. I can write down the instructions for you. You just need a little bit of a blood sacrifice, a little bit of a, you know, put, draw down some chalk. Um, and you need eight components. 
You need more components than eight, but eight primary components in order to remove this watch. And I'm afraid whoever designed this watch was quite sadistic, because these eight components are indigenous to each of the eight nations of Antake, and they're very, very, very hard to find. For instance, the one here in Talmud, it is, it is a kind of yellow quartz that hasn't been seen in millennia and millennia of the time of the giants. Oh, uh, you mean like this? Oh, <gasps> she squawks. Squawk! Uh, she stares at she's where, where, where did you get that? Uh, down in the mines. Really? The mines? The mines don't go there. Really? Huh. Well, I suppose that's why the Republic is so rich then. Oh, that's great. You have one out of eight components needed. Here, I'll write down the rest for you. Unfortunately, since they're indigenous to the other nations, you'll have to find specialty buyers or collect them yourself. Each of them is either notoriously rare, expensive, dangerous, or difficult to harvest in some way. Here, and she writes down a component list for you and hands it to you. Thank, thank you. Um... Oh, anything for a hero of the Republic. Could I borrow some books? Or... You can um, have the... books for free oh. on the house. Okay. Just not the limited edition mint first edition copies. I can make copies of them for you if you'd like, but I'd like to keep the originals. Yeah, like, yeah. Can I make some copies of, like, reference, reference books? Abs- absolutely. Anything you need. Where would I find the Stranger War? The Stranger War? The literature. Well, that's quite an obscure bit of literature. Here, I'll help you. And Bausha flutters out and begins to direct you to the books that you might need. So she gives you, there doesn't seem to be too many. Here she seems mostly to be uh, versed in like magical happenings and magical anomalies and whatnot. But she gives you like a couple, maybe two or three books. She pulls them off and she gives them to you. She says, free of charge, free of charge. Thank you. And just hands them to you. Says, yeah, it's okay. These, These are references, copies anyway. I have the originals in the archives. And Dr. Luso sits there taking this all in and says, wow. That is a lot to take in. You know what? Uh, uh, and they sort of like lean in and they say, I think the four of you deserve a break uh, before we move on to perhaps your next quest. Yes, of course. We'll spend the night and we'll be off mm-hmm. again tomorrow. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I've been talking with Squeak about it. And Squeak sort of hops in from the kitchen. She's wearing a little apron that says, uh, kiss, kiss the chef. She goes, what's my name, Kai? Uh, this little grung, as round as she is tall. She goes, oh, yeah, yes, Squeak. Um, why, it was actually Squeak's idea after, you know, hearing about all your nightly updates and after I told them what you did in Dabathasi. Yes, I've decided the four of you are trustworthy. And you will not backstab Dr. Luso or I shall slay you on the spot. And she, like, waves the spatula. says, I thought perhaps it could be nice if the four of you took maybe a little vacation. Uh, yes, a vacation. Of course, I'd pay for everything. You don't have to worry about that. I'd arrange travel just to... I think it's important for the four of you to take a load off. I have some contacts up in Moreau's. Uh, they run a hot spring. Well, I suppose I can't quite go find my parents if I'm struck down by the most powerful warrior in the world. Hmm? When I look at Squeak. She goes, you sure cannot. Do not turn down my hospitality. Squeak, I can't believe you trust me after all this time, friend. A trust is hard to earn, but easy to break, V. Noxhazel. Duly noted. I, for one, would love to go someplace nice and cold for a little r and I hear all the best people go to Morose. Correct answer. Oka? 
Yeah. It will be good for your your master body. Yeah. Uh, my hands are still shaking, so I'd like a bath. I'd like a bath. I'd like a bath for a really long time. A really, really long bath. Of course, just make sure you don't overheat in the hot spring. Oh, a really, really long <laughs> bath. Do we? Oh, do you love it there? People there have stories galore. It seems they know everything. I've been once or twice. What's a vacation? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Transplaner. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. Music is by Connie Chong, CIS, and Fezlian Studios, used with permission. Audio mixing is done by Mike Graham. Give Mike a follow on Twitter at omikegram. That's O-H-M-I-K-E-Gram, G-R-A-H-A-M. Soundscape design this episode is by Vincent McElroy of Heroes in Progress. New podcast episodes drop every other Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanerRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanerRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Abigail Rytel. Azra, Brooke Bright, Cassidy Barnes, Charos, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Moonflower T, Purple Mouse, and Risa.